There's too many homelosers, too many trimmers, but I like to watch them for Rotten Treasure. Welcome to the Rotten Treasure Podcast. We watched uh, Hunger Games, The Mockingjay, Part 2. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell, and with me, as always, is the other host, Kai Bobby. That was flawless. Absolutely flawless. Thank you. Uh, Edit it so that I sound like a good person. Oh, also, hi, Jim. I'm well. Thank you for asking. Let's bring in our guest. (laughs) (laughs) She is the supreme controller of Chipotle Domino's and hater of capitalist greed. It's Sarah Carter. C'est moi. Sarah Carter. Welcome. You just freaked me out for a second. I was just like, oh, no, did I accidentally say someone else's name? Uh (laughs) No, I just really like saying "c'est moi," like it's me. Um, it started out with a bit that I did solely with my cat, and now has become like a bit I do with everyone, where no one has the context that I have this inside joke with my cat. No, no, no. I live no. alone. Hear this: I want to do a five-minute stand-up bit for just my two cats, specifically geared towards them and our relationship, and then go perform that out at an open mic, like to test it out. <laughs> <laughs> they had a community bit about that where Abed just did stand up about the apartment and then he tested it out. And then uh, Jeff was just like, Troy, this seems like just stuff about your apartment that no one would know. And then Abed keeps going. He's like, you know how Troy brushes his teeth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Troy. I do. I do that. <laughs> There was also um, in Parks and Rec, uh, Aubrey Plaza. She had one that w- it was like impressions of people she knew. So she's like, here's an impression of my sister. Hmm, I don't like pens. They're like not cool. <laughs> and then everyone in the audience is like, she does sound like that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Beating there, I love comedy, y'all. Let's play game. We're going we're gonna to do a new thing. Uh, this happens on Daddy Chat, which is a, a Daddy Issues team thing that I'm not on anymore. I'm not bitter. I moved. It's my fault. Anyways, um, it's they do like, what are you drinking? Let's do what are you eating, y'all? What, what do we got going on? What's going in your mouth, Jim? Uh, I was about to pop in a Clementine. Oh, yeah? I didn't think anyone was going to say anything to me, so I was just <laughs> going to throw it in there. I had a feeling people would be asking me this. Uh, hence my introduction. I am eating Domino's pizza because I don't live near local philadelphia (laughs) i just really wanted the chance that i would get a free lava cake oh hell yeah oh you're making me want cheesy bread is what i want right now oh the ones with jalapenos in it that's (gasps) wild i could put jalapenos in literally anything that's jalapenos in my backyard you are (laughs) i won't do it never mind no please tell me no 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 Uh, I won't. I was just going to ask Jim to name five things to put jalapenos in. Uh, but instead, I want to know about <laughs> the jalapenos in your backyard. Tight. Yeah, that's a that's a much more interesting thing. Yeah. No, I want to hear where Jim would put his jalapenos. Yeah, all right. Oh, Jesus. Uh, cereal. Um, One. Milk. No, that's the same thing. Uh, the ice cream. I'm in a dairy hole right now. <laughs> I'm a kid, too. Clementines, because I'm eating one. You're going to put jalapenos in clementines? Yeah, sure. I could see that. I anyway, Domino's uh, uh, Pizza. Yeah, what 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 would you go with here? Because I'm always curious what people's go-to orders for Domino's are. Well, apparently it was undercooked. 
Yeah. Pepperoni pizza. Tight, 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 tight. But it was pepperoni because I only got a one, <laughs> one topping, John. So I was like, meh. Usually my go-to, my go-to Domino's or really any pizza place, I'll get chicken, if I'm feeling fancy, a little bacon, mm-hmm. um, green peppers, Roma tomatoes, nice. and um, white sauce. But marinara is fine, too, but preferably white sauce. I'm with you all on that, except for the tomatoes, but I'm in. I'm totally in. Was tomatoes one of them? I wasn't listening. There was something in my eye. No, I said, you didn't say tomatoes, right? I'm not losing my mind. You did. Yeah. You have a jalapeno in your eye? <laughs> is it clementine or jalapeno? <laughs> oh, it burns. Uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> no dying. Sorry. Uh, I actually have uh, this much need with like bacon and spice. So I do like, even though it's not that spicy, like banana peppers with bacon is like my favorite Domino's order and I can't stop doing it. Oh, that sounds really good. Um, but I, I think didn't actually... start liking banana peppers until a few years ago. Oh, well, I had discovered them. I love them because I was just like feeling spontaneous at Subway. Where did you experience your banana pepper? Uh, introduction moment. <laughs> I don't really like think about like my first banana pepper experience. I don't remember. I think it most... just happened organically. If you will. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember the most of things. Uh, first times I've eaten a food. I remember the first time I had a real cherry, um, unless I was fed one as a small child and just don't remember it. But I I would made it into my teens and then discovered a real cherry. I was like, what is this? They're like, it's a fucking cherry. And I was like, what the fuck are these? What were you having before? Maraschino cherries. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Cherries. I had no concept of what real cherries were like. Like, come on, like, like your, your standard average cherry. I don't think I've ever had a real cherry. Now that you say that, because I don't, th- I think I've only ever had Manichino cherries. You got it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect pronunciation. Thank you. I hate cherries. Cherries on Sundays. I... Cherry cherries. But I liked Mary Cherry on the cherry. TV show Popular. I was about to reference Mary Berry, and then I realized I don't know who that is, and I don't want to. I want to make sure I'm not referencing something weird. Great British Bake Off. Yeah, that is. Okay, good. It is a good person, too. Really? I haven't, I've yet to watch that show more than, like, watching it while someone else is watching it. Like, I haven't committed to being like, I'm going to watch that show. Um, I've watched, like, every season available nice. on Netflix four times. I'm open to the idea the... of people being nice to each other. They are so nice to each other. Like, I was reading an article about the Great British Bake Off, and how they purposely set it up to, like, encourage a love of baking. <clears throat> so it's not like American reality shows where they're like, blah, blah, I must beat this person, blah, 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 knife, knife, chop, chop, chop. Um, <laughs> it's like they help each other avoid elimination. They'll, like, give each other, like, ingredients. When they go around and talk, they give this constructive criticism. I was going to say they're slow-paced. Yeah, the, the, the host or the judges aren't total dicks. <laughs> the, the judges, I think, are the best part. Mm. Um, except, like, oh, hot take. I love Noel Fielding from a comedy standpoint. Because, I mean, yeah. come on, old Greg, very funny. But um, he's a little extra, which I think detracts from the baking. 
Um, okay. But he does look like my friend Emma, and which she like openly will post pictures in her stories about her twin Noel Fielding. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just I just want to stare at Paul Hollywood rolling that bread. Those <laughs> baker's arms. Yes, please. Give me them bright blue eyes and that silver fox hair. And the bread. Just... Oh boy, the bread. <laughs> I just realized that I have no concept of who old Greg is. Um, <gasps> which I feel like makes me not old part Greg. of society. Because I've seen I when I Googled old Greg, I've seen the photograph a bunch of times on the internet like on, on the internets, but I never investigated why. You would Bailey's out of an old shoe. Come on, wait, Kai. Wait, what? I'm old Greg. Make yeah. an assessment. Well, this is pissing off anybody who knows who old Greg is. Uh, so if you want to at me at rottentreasure.idontgiveafuck.com, go ahead. <laughs> to be fair, old Greg is just, it's just Noel Fielding saying random things. Like, that's mm. the whole skit, and it's very funny. As like a fish man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And his name's yeah. old Greg, and he says, I'm old Greg, a ton. He sits in a boat, and he's like, I'm old Greg. <laughs> It's just like on par with the like the humor of just like Charlie the Unicorn and like the llama that gets its hooves like eats hooves. Um, one I love all of those videos. Candy man, yeah. Charlie, Candy man, and I've recently like started rewatching Homestar Runner. So like I always like to send the oh you're looking very Mickey outy tonight. To- <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, I was started to, we, my friend and I were down the shore this weekend for Labor Day weekend. And we started watching this movie, Lamageddon. And she's like, I can't, she couldn't even get like four minutes into this movie because it was so bad. You could hear the boom mic. Oh no. That's fantastic. It was about like llamas who became evil. How could they afford the llamas? I don't know. It looked like a like a community college film. Oh God, I've watched That's a like, lot of those. Community colleges have very great education. Like, right? Keep your film yeah. game up. No, <laughs> great education. Horrible short film. Like horrible, horrible, horrible short film. No, a really just god awful. And it's because they're learning, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm really bad. Uh, M Night Shyamalan status comes, you know, much later. Yeah, they they have to wait. They have to wait until they watch an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and then they get to make a, an award winning movie. Is that where they rip off all of their award winning ideas? That's where he ripped off his award winning idea. He was watching an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark and was like, "I should write a movie," and that's how he made The Sixth Sense. Huh. Oh, was that, is that true? Uh huh. Yeah. He's he said that in an interview. He's he, he watched an episode and he was like. Huh, it's very interesting, the idea of someone not knowing that they're dead. Spoiler. Uh, and that's how he came up with the idea. Jim, that's actually the second time we've spoiled that w- this month on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never seen the ending of Sixth Sense because oh, I already know what happens, so I've never yeah. watched it. So you get right up to the point where you, uh, it ha- the reveal happens, and then you're just like, ah, I'll just turn it off, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Wait, he was Bruce Willis the whole time. Uh, what's... Uh, is that from It's Always Sunny? Bruce Willis? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the big kicker. Holy cow, I thought he was like a therapist, but it was Bruce Willis? <laughs> the whole time. It's nuts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My I, a genius. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's It's Always, always sunny, sunny where they say, 
Yeah, I love that movie where you, where the twist at the end is you find out the guy in the hairpiece was what Bruce Willis the whole time. <laughs> Wait, did I steal that idea then? Is that where that's coming from? Oh, it, who? No, you thought of it on your own, even if it, it's even if someone else said it. We're just unoriginal I've only humans. Seen two episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because I'm a bad Philadelphian. Eh, I just Dominoes eh. instead of going to the pizza shop two blocks from my house. That's a different type of bad Philadelphian. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that honestly, it, I think it speaks volumes. And actually, I think it says you are a true Philadelphian because I think eventually, you you know, people are always like, oh, oh, you must go to like all these restaurants or like, oh, you must watch Love Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And you're like, no, because I work and I do things and I'm a human and I live in a place. I'm going to get fucking dominoes and I'm yeah. gonna watch other fucking content than other than stuff about Philadelphia. Yeah. Especially with like, I don't know. I did not meet many charlie day characters in philadelphia i'm surprised that that didn't happen i don't think anyone is like charlie day actually i lie i think my friend from college is a lot like charlie day charlie day or charlie the character charlie day okay 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 the more we keep saying Charlie Day, it just sounds like a like a casual like a something you say when you tip a hat, you know, like Charlie Day. Oh, Charlie Day. <laughs> yeah. Like it just doesn't sound like a name anymore to at this point. <laughs> I have a question. Go ahead. Sarah, what oh, is no. your relationship with the Hunger Games franchise? Well, uh, I actually, I, I, I love the, I love the Hunger Games books. I have read the first book so many times. Um, I actually used to teach a class about the Hunger Games social justice and leadership at a school out in the main line. Um, and I used to use, uh, separate from that, uh, in another class I taught at a school down south, I would use the Hunger Games um, as a way to talk about women's leadership with first-year students who identify as women. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, have a, I have a very long history with the Hunger Games. I also have my master's in literary and cultural studies. Um, with a, I did a lot of focus on women's writing and um, pop culture in terms of like gender and sexual like. Uh, sexual identity development as like a sexual being. Um, so uh, I, I think these are great books. Um, I think the movies did a great job representing the books and the heart of the books. Um, and uh, I, I just think that they make really powerful statements. I don't know how much you know about the history of the Hunger Games books and how they came to be. Um so it's very fitting that during your last podcast of the Hunger Games series, you you learn about the <laughs> the history of the books. No, this is great. I am so happy to have you. Like, this is perfect. Please, we, please. So um, the author, Suzanne Collins, was when she was younger, um, she was flipping back and forth between um, war footage on the news and reality television like Survivor and her father, I believe her father was a uh, World War II vet. Um, so she had gotten a lot of this information growing up uh, and and was really interested in strategy. And so, you know, seeing the connections between how survival happens um, between these, these two entities of like what was happening, I think it was like in the 90s. So it was, you know, right, you know, start at the... 
um, we were in the Middle East and like Survivor and all these things coming up, watching the strategy of people navigating these, uh, developing tactics and kind of came up with the idea of the Hunger Games. That's a very abridged uh, history, um, mm-hmm. but uh, like of where the, these ideas came from. But uh, the, the, the books, like you can see kind of these themes throughout the books. Um, as well as like a lot of conversations centered around, you know, sex trafficking is talked about during the books with Finnick O'Dare and what happens to him um, and other victors after the games of being kind of um, uh, utilized, so to speak. I'm using quotation marks heavily around that. But as, um, you know, he, he deals in secrets because he, you know, was used as um, uh, it, like via like sex trafficking for um for the the like people who gave him the most money oh, wow. um by the capital kind of like lent him out so to speak um and you know there's a lot of conversations about uh gender and you know women and beauty um how that they've developed the this notion of Katniss and star-crossed lovers and how they've molded her from this as an image of um you know, uh, of the like lone wolf, angry all the time, family loving to the starstruck young girl in love who's innocent when like, because who couldn't really, uh, isn't really molded to the ideals of what the capital wants um, and with their notions of beauty. Um, and then there's a lot of these notions about uh, women in leadership and activism and revolution and how that comes uh, uh, to play. Um, but it even looks at things like education um, and disparities in education based off the districts, police brutality, like it talks about all of these different things. Um, and, and it mirrors our world because this world could be what our world ends up as like very futuristic reality, you know, and even some things like, uh, I, I, this might be a conversation for later, but something that I found really fascinating about, you know, what they do with Katniss and Pia's relationship and everybody's like, oh, team Gail, team Pita. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. aren't you, as a society, aren't we creating a bread and circus focusing just on the relationship Katniss choose and not looking at the larger pictures yeah. of Katniss as an independent agent. Like everybody's using her like a, a pawn, even at the end when we see um, Plutarch, he's orchestrated her to do all of these things. Cause he knows she's going to go kill uh, coin. Um, like at, at what point are we, an, are we an agent of our own repetitiveness and our own patterns um, and how does that it help with enact change? So these are all kind of like things I think about when I see these movies um, and when I read these books, because I think that they're a really great vehicle to have like, like uh, I thought these were great conversations to have with first year students at a college level. I also think that they're great conversations because these are young adult novels. They have such rich, easily relatable um conversation points of you know Katniss not having enough bread so Peta burnt bread to give to her like these small moments of empathy you know that we can relate to where we can start having these conversations with kids in middle school like I actually pulled a lot of activities for that were meant for middle schoolers around this and then kind of ramped them up for college students mm. um but I mean I think that they're great books and they really kind of help 
us have conversations that are often hard, but put them in a relatable way that we can start having conversations among other people. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put them with Liam Helmsworth. Uh, or I keep doing that. Hemsworth. I got it. Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I've only gotten it wrong for every single episode we've done so far. <laughs> Uh, yeah, whose whose accent also started to slip? That was one of the first things I wrote down when rewatching this. I'm like, oh man, uh, his accent slipped at times, and so did Brienne of Tarth's. I my, could hear their Brit- the British and Australianness come through. My girlfriend pointed that out too. She was like, he just spoke Australian for like a little bit there, and she was. Then we had a bit about how there would just be a random scene where he spoke Australian, like thick australian accent for no reason at all it's fine honestly but, who cares right <laughs> we, all it's know acting. He, we all know who he is it doesn't matter it's not like a fault of the movie there's other faults of the movie <laughs> i i hear you on the bullshit of like uh like team gale team Peta. like this movie it really hit like obviously i, I knew it was going to be the last one but i was like i just don't fucking care um you know and We'll, we're, we don't we don't do this in order on this show, so who gives a shit? But like, I was like, okay, cool. She ended up with Peta. Gail sucks. Like, like and Gail sure, also whatever. There's, so there's a point where he said they were they were talking about her when she was asleep, and she like they were talking mm-hmm. about who she's gonna pick. Oh, yeah, so she's gross. right in the room, and also yeah, like I know. It doesn't yeah. really matter what you guys say. Like, she's gonna pick who she says, and yeah. she's like, Katniss will pick whoever she can't survive without, and. I'm like, no, Katniss will want to try to save both of you because you're both meaningful to her in your yeah. life. Yeah, it's no. like, I mean, I feel like Katniss would be, if she was in today's society, she would 100% be a relationship anarchist. I would because see her, yeah, she I does her not have a hierarchy yeah. in her relationships. Yeah. Um, and then later they say, uh, like Gail was saying, I was supposed to protect your family and I didn't. Gail loves Katniss, but he's ambitious. Like he totally, like looked over his own in like because like, he's taken care of his family his whole life he was looking after his own interests mm. which i mean they're 18 19 20 at this point like even not even for katniss um yeah. of course he's gonna like also look out for his own interests and katniss just responded she's like you can't protect anyone in the arena because no matter where you are you're still being manipulated by this dystopian government that does not yeah. give a shit about you your personal relationships who you love who you don't love if you have food they don't care and even coin didn't care uh um a very common complaint about the movie because you mentioned their ages is that they age them all up uh, and it's a complaint about the movie because uh, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable the way they sexualize these 15, 16 year old kids. And I, yeah, I I definitely felt that watching it because I was like, oh, I feel OK, like shipping these two together because they're clearly 23 year old kids. Like, that's OK to do. But if they were real 16 year old kids, I would be like, oh, this feels really gross. And I kind of wish they had done that. But. But also, would you? Because we have so much teen drama. I mean, not you in general, but like I mean, us as a society. Mm-hmm. Like we watch these. I mean, I I watch all these like ABC Family shows. Like up until a few years ago, when I cut the cord. But I mean, I would watch 
you know, teen dramas and be like, oh, I hope they get together. But and they're like making out and stuff. And I'm like, I forget they're 16 because yeah. like in my world, I'm in my 30s. Like I'm just watching these shows I enjoy. See, that's the that would be the trade off of if you were to actually have 16 year olds would be. People are inevitably going to uh, be like team uh, team Katniss or team Katniss, team Peta and all this, especially I mean, mostly Teenagers oh, I know adults think that way. shipped certain teams, and they do that with the Twilight films. And honest to God, don't get yeah. me started on the Twilight films. <laughs> I, <laughs> I used I, to use that those films as education for sexual violence prevention. Um, about how many red flags are in the first two films, and there's like over 120 red flags that I caught in the first two films alone. Oh yeah, Shit. like toxic relationship. We were we were talking to I think uh, I won't say who it is, but oh, we were talking to someone. Back. You're talking about these. Have me back. I will rip everything a new one. Oh no, <laughs> we, we actually it's all coming for a full circle here because in the first episode of uh, this franchise, when we did the first Hunger Games, we had uh, uh, Karen uh, Coleman Hinners on, and she was she kept as a bit kept mixing them up. They're the same movie, yeah, uh, or the same. No, they're not. Um, but they are definitely like, okay, cool. Now that you've done this, you should do this. I've never read or watched a Twilight. So of course it's going to happen on this podcast at some point. Inevitable. Oh, I watched, I watched the first three movies. I think of that. And yeah, it's a horrible, horrible depiction of a relationship. Like it romance, it romanticizes uh, a very toxic relationship. Uh, but they are wildly fun to watch because of how horrible they are and you get to be like okay i can shit on this because it's bad mm. oh i i've seen these movies so many times because i would literally show the movie and then have a second screen and i would have a red flag pop up anytime there was a red flag and then do oh. a debrief afterwards and they were like well, why did the red flag show up here and so we would have a discussion about why that was a red flag and like let them have an open conversation about why like there wasn't any communication or oh, why yeah. one person was pressing their will on against another person or whether like it was so it was a really good conversation for students to be able to take something they love and then turn it into something they <laughs> hated um i also would destroy disney um films as someone who loves disney and i love the recent princess stuff they've been doing but I would just sit there and just destroy Disney princess movies for people. And I got a little pleasure out of it, but also like, I like, it was like watching a bit of their innocence die. <gasps> I realized okay. something. No. Okay. So this is actually, uh, I realized something you're, cause you're talking about Disney, whatever, like things you wanted to destroy. And I started doing a level of innocence and I started to think, Oh yeah, Sarah wanted to come back for mighty ducks. And I just remembered one of the Bash Brothers is in this fucking movie. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, what? What am I wrong? No, maybe he's not one. Of, he's not one of the Bash Brothers, but he's no. He's one of the ducks. He's one of the Mighty Ducks. The guy who doesn't speak with no tongue. He got it cut out. He's in Mighty Ducks. He's one of the kids. I, you know, I thought he looked familiar. I don't remember. Yeah, who he is. that's how I knew who it was. And I think he's one of the Bash Brothers, but I can't re quite remember. I'm gonna look um, him up. Me too, because I also was like. Uh, yeah, me and my he's girlfriend a bash both brother. said, who is this guy? We both mm, know mm, him. Mm, mm, mm. I know things. He's a bash brother. Yep. He bashes. He bros. He he's a bash familiar. brother. Yep. Well, he didn't have any lines, uh, so that might have been a little thing that fucked you well, up. I mean, they were also the like talk. 10 when they came out with that. Right. Well, no, I he's in... He's I in, love no, Pollux as a character. He's in, he's in uh, all three of them. Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and 3. 
He's also in Turner and Hooch. Why wouldn't he be? In the new one? Or... Oh, you know they made a remake of Turner and Hooch? Yeah. I didn't. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, yeah, I don't know why they did it, but they did it. Oh, he's also in Lords of Dogtown. Now I'm just looking up things about him. No, but I saw that and I was like, oh my god, yes. Uh, it, it's weird when you're watching movies and, I'm, and like it was just driving me nuts. I didn't use the internet. I was very proud of myself for that one. I let it come to me naturally. Because I just got a free pizza from Domino's because apparently my order was not <laughs> correct when I thought it was. Wait, where, did you get your lava cake or not? Ding dong. Ooh, I wasn't expecting company. Let's see who's at the door. Oh, oh hey. It's a, it's a commercial break. Hello, everyone. This is Robert with the Watching It Podcast. We're a show that covers TV and movies. Join me and my co-host, Donnell, each week to talk about shows like Loki, The Lower Decks, Snowpiercer, Palm Springs, and Collateral. You can find us at watchingitpod.com or anywhere you get your podcast. All right, bye, bye, commercial break. Oh, such nice company, you know. Uh, yeah. So speaking of company, uh, let's accompany ourselves back to the show. Wait, where did you get your lava cake or not? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I thought I was hoping I would get one for free. Fucking bullshit. You can cut this part out. Nobody wants to know about my taco's <laughs> order, but I just got an alert that they're going to give me a free medium pizza next time. I mean, we can keep it. You don't have to cut it out, but that's not information you think Nobody the world should know. To, Nobody wants to know that I am going to willingly get more Domino's. I mean, someone might want to know. Uh, we had Specifically to, Domino's. Yeah, specifically. Which we're sponsored by. Um, we're not. And I refuse to allow them to sponsor us. I don't like their pizza. There, I said it. That's fine. It's not good. It's not the best. But there's also like there's like Taco Bell where it's like oh that's terrible Mexican but it's great like no Taco food. Bell is amazing I know where every Taco Bell is in yeah. the city of Philadelphia exactly like it's 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 good food but no one's gonna no one's going there being like oh I'm gonna get some authentic t- uh, Mexican tonight Taco Bell <laughs> also was anybody else really excited about seeing Gwendolyn Christie in this movie because I like forgot she was in this and I got really excited because I don't know if I've seen her in something that wasn't some sort of like n- like nerdy sci-fi thing and I get excited I got excited yeah. is this Game of Thrones and Star Wars that's the three things I can name her in yeah Wendell who but in Christie she was Brienne of Tarth oh yeah, yeah, cool. That's the only other thing I, I unfortunately, that's the only thing I, I know her from. And I haven't watched m- all of the, the Lords and the Rings. Wait, not the Lords and the Rings. I do that all the time. <laughs> um, Star Wars? Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. I always say Lord of, Lord of the Rings whenever I'm referring to Game of, the, Game, of, Game of Thrones. That's because he was heavily influenced by them. Yeah. That's fine. We all steal from somebody. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, we. I, I I did see her because she was her first shot in the movie. She's very far away, and both me and my girlfriend were like, "Is that Brienne?" And then it, it immediately cuts to like uh, a close up of her. We're like, "Yeah, it's Brienne. It's good to see her." Um, and you know, another thing that I wanted to bring up with you all was this idea. I mean, and and, and I the most of the notes I took, you know, from a lot of knowing that I've taken the Hunger Games 
um, and taught a lot of the themes. Um, something that came up for me a lot watching this movie again for the first time in years. Yeah. Um, the notions of compassion and power and how they've worked together and where they're used as a tool of power. To use to use compassion to gain power? Yes. Where it's not they it's like faulty compassion mm-hmm. or like an act of compassion with un like it's not authentic compassion. So there's authentic oh, yeah. compassion that comes a lot from Katniss yeah. that's used as this way to make a powerful statement or do a powerful act. Like the attack at the mine in the beginning, it turns into this voice of reason where everyone stops and listens to her. Um, but then, um, and, and you can see that she's made some headway with the gentleman who's like turned his gun on her and is going to shoot her. Yeah. Um, uh, but before they, they end up getting attacked. It was a, it was a, that was in like district two, right? That was like, yes. Yeah, when they go yeah, to attack okay. district two. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's these moments where, um, she, you know, at her, at her heart, she's a protector. Like she goes and she, um, has all these like very vulnerable, very authentic moments where she's truly herself. Like even in the first, in the, first part of Mockingjay when she sings the hanging tree or mm. you know, she goes and makes these sacrifices, you know, what she did for her sister. Um, there are these moments that where she's chose this, this compassionate act or compassionate statement. Um, and it's, it's sparked, that's kind of sparked this movement. Um, but then there's um, this moment at the end where uh, uh, President Snow has opened his home as a way to, kind of stop his own death um, where he's like, come to my, he knows they're coming to kill them. So he's like, we'll give you medicine. We'll give you food. We'll give you shelter. We'll protect you. But it's really the Wi-Fi password, whatever you want. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a coin does this too, where, you know, she, she, they think that she's, you know, going to, they're going to protect Gail was, instructed to protect the family, but she actually then goes and, and it's, it's assumed that she goes to kill, uh, does this and kills Primrose as a way to manipulate Katniss. But this idea of the power of compassion to spark something beautiful and meaningful and authentic, um, and kind of ch- what helps create this catalyst for change in this messed up nation. Yeah. Um, and then how it's kind of used as a tool for for ne- to to manipulate yeah i mean it can, like the way that you can use compassion to manipulate and then it kind of turns into like patriotism uh like in terms of my relationship with growing up and how that kind of works it's like oh i do it for this vague i don't know how to explain it like I'm from, like, a military family, so I grew up in a lot of, you do it for your country, like, right on my face. I'm like, who? I don't, I haven't met enough people to know who this thing I'm supposed to be, like, uh, fighting for is. But, um, I don't know, I just, I always felt like, uh, to a certain degree, and I guess I don't want to, maybe I want to cut this, because I don't want to, I'm not trying to shit on um, anybody who's in the service or anything. But I just felt like the, the, the men in my life that were, like, part of the service, it felt very, they just felt like they got manipulated a lot into the saying the things they found it sounded a little bit robotic about um, the things. I think it's important for you to say, um, because that's what your experience was like. That's not everybody's experience, but that's what your experience has been like. And in some areas that can be true. Um, 
you know, because um, we even see at the end of this movie, they say, uh, they, they say they're not coming, uh, the same thing when Snow is opening his home. He's like, they're not coming to liberate you. They're coming to destroy your way of life. Um, it's like that bread and circus thing where they're kind of creating this idea of us versus them when it's really, um, and creating this compassionate, uh, emotional manipulation to kind of say, they're not, they're not like you. They're going to destroy you. We're doing this because we care about you and we want you to protect us. Like we're protecting you. Yeah. It's give us your loyalty. It's classic propaganda. Of where I mean, great, sides were doing that too. Yeah, I yeah, I, I did note that with um, the the rebellion is essentially just uh, to use a Game of Thrones term, just another spoke in the wheel where it's all it's all the same. It, no matter who's in charge, they're gonna be. Uh, 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 for some reason, my my brain's saying jingoistic, uh, but they're they're gonna be nationalist in, in some way. Yeah, I mean, going off of what you just said, I mean, you look, even looking at the end again, when Coin pulls all the victors together for a vote, she's going, she's saying like, we people are clamoring for blood. Also, who's clamoring for blood? Like, I know people are upset, but yeah, um, she's saying they're clamoring for blood. Uh, they want revenge, so let's have another Hunger Games, and then that's going to be like she makes this compassionate moment of this is going to be the least the least people who die are if we do the another hunger games, but she's using the same tactics as what presidents know. And the other leaders of Pan Am, she's using those exact same moments because I, I mean, it's been again, been a while since I've watched the movie or read this last book, but I've forgotten that Katniss says yes. Yeah. To the she vote. Does. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking a lot about why she would say yes. But if you lo- look at her eyes and look at how she's interacting with, um, uh, Hamish, she says she's like I get to kill Snow. So she and she also doesn't trust Coin. So she says yes, I'm gonna do this um, because now she's got that trust with Coin, and Coin knows that she's on her on her side. So right, to that, speak. that 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 so gives her gets, upper hand in a weird way. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, because Hamish looks at her and says. I'm with the Mockingjay because he doesn't give a shit about coin, but mm. he cares his, he and Katniss have always had that unspoken connection. He's going to trust her. So that puts her in the space to be able to say where they're going to trust her to do what she needs to do. So, uh, you know, in this moment of that coin quote unquote has quote unquote compassion. Let's see how many times I can say quote unquote in this sense. <laughs> I'll count it. Coin I'll says she has compassion because she's going to, you know, uh, use the least, they're going to lose the least amount of lives through having this hunger game option. But really like this showing the same amount of ruthlessness, but under a different lens. To, oh yeah. Cause to it's going to be the out. capital kids now. So it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those, the capital kids would never, none of them would survive in that. Yeah. I mean, they might try to, like, make deals. Um, probably, like, no joke. Like, as I'm like, oh, well, then I'll, I'll make sure your family gets this and that. And I'm like, okay, cool, kill me. You know, like, whatever. I don't know how they would handle it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've never been a capital kid. I, I don't know what that life's like. Yeah. And even the gifts, the gifts falling from the sky, too. 
Oh my God. Was like when this they compassionate moment, oh. but it was really a tactic used by the rebellion. They, it did get me though. So when, many capital citizens and they were the cap- already going to yeah. surrender. When the, when the capital citizens flat out, like one of them was just like, they're giving us gifts or whatever the fuck it was. And like, you, like I, I didn't have many like moments in this movie particularly that really, really got me, but that one did just kind of like, wow. Like the, the, I always want to say na- naive, naivety, naivety, naivety. You got it. Naivety. We got what you mean. Na- yeah. You know what to get. How naive. I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> of these people no but it's just like it's painfully naive to just be like their gifts uh and then just have that be the thing that kills you like um well think of the cultural significance of what the gifts meant the gifts were sent into the hunger games as a sort of savior moment for them it was something that you needed to survive whether it was food or medicine or a knife but it was something sent to you to survive so they have their whole lives of watching gifts help and save people yeah. and they're in their first time of need um I, I don't know have you either of you read uh the prequel book no but i know they're making no. it into a movie so we'll be back at some point to talk about that movie when it comes out yeah that book was it, like it, it was it was an interesting read especially like i read it the weekend of a lot of the protests um for george floyd in philadelphia Mm-hmm. Um, so like kind of going from a protest to then going and reading this book, like it was a really interesting connection, but a lot of, uh, before the war, this was happened, uh, it was when president snow was young. So a lot of it happened right after the first rebellion where district 13 kind of split off. Um, and so they show the district, I mean, the capital kind of struggling after being attacked and supplies line being cut off. People have lost jobs, are, like people have lost family members from the war. Um, and so they actually show uh, President Snow growing up very, like, uh, especially uh, very poor, but with the heirs of coming from a rich, prominent family where they had to put on a lot of heirs that they weren't poor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were living off of lima beans for years because they had bought them, um, so many of them early. Um, You know, reusing, and actually, spoiler alert, Tigress is his cousin. At the end, the tiger woman, that's his cousin. Uh Um, So uh, this is their, like, you're seeing, I mean, of course, that was like 50, 60 years prior. So all of these people don't know what that life is like. They know Mm. the prosperity. They know the richness. They don't know what it meant, like, what it means to go through the extreme poverty that Katniss uh, felt or, um, you know, the the what the people of district 10 felt like you know they 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 don't know what that is like so this is their first moment of real kind of tribulation and they see these gifts fly from the air and it's so sad to watch because they think they think they're like it's their people who are hurting them it's district it's they think it's the capital but it's district 13 yeah that's that manipulation like little uh, that little switch, a little surprise. Uh, I got, I, I was, it caught me. I was like, okay, cool. I guess that makes way more sense. Why wouldn't that be the case? Because once again, why not manipulate with, uh, just yeah. Why not manipulate the whole situation that way? It was a smart move, I suppose. I mean, what's well, war tactics? I mean, I yeah. know this is yeah. not a war tactic politics, and everybody probably wants to listen to comedy because I will talk about how much I love Julianne Moore's hair. 
Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, it gets into like, this is where you can see kind of like one, the, the war tactics uh, that and war theory and things that have been pulled into play from Suzanne uh, Collins's history and the mixture of like when Katniss is like, you can't protect anyone in arena. They're not in the hunger games and the third, the third and fourth movie, but I mean, they're still in all of these, like they're all in these political games yeah. of what people uh, uh, and their people's lives. Well, yeah, that's, it's, that's the thing is their lives are a game and it's kind of no matter whether you're in the game or not, it's always constantly your life is part of the game. Yep. Sorry, Jim, you were going to say? I was going to say pretty much that exact same thing. The, the third Hunger Games is the Hunger Games of their lives, like yeah. that they that they have to live within war. And it, I thought, which I thought was an interesting way to heighten it uh, to that, because you can't just have the same book over and over of them just going to different Hunger Games. Um, and the Hunger Games never really stop for them, too. Like, it's Katniss's everyday life and, like, the mm-hmm. trauma she feels after this. Like, telling her telling her newborn baby, she's like, let me tell you, I'll tell you when you're older about my oh nightmares. My I, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Oh. Yeah, let me transfer all of my pain and sorrow into you, little baby. <laughs> Here's everything that's ever been bad in my life. Oh, and it, it didn't help that that baby had the dumbest face uh, mm-hmm. to be oh, looking at that. Baby. Yeah, no, it was an adorable dumb face. Uh, I... well, tell us how you really feel about children, Jim. I... Oh, uh-huh. hate them. Just despise them. <laughs> Get them out of here. You know, have to even children, edit that. Yeah. Can we yeah. have a Hunger Games except it's toddlers? Uh, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's a new level of villain. I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> well, I'm keeping it in the podcast, Jim. Uh, that is a 100% <laughs> statement by Jim O'Donnell. I'm going to repeat it twice. Just, just make case. sure. Let's, po- let's just... recap. Let's see what Jim said in slow mo. Jim hates women and children. No. <laughs> President Jim O'Donnell. Thank you, actually, Sarah, for doing that, because now I don't actually have to edit anything. Um. <laughs> Perfect. For academic discussion and comedy. Ooh. Surprise. I could just. God, I could just picture the smear ca- campaign against me. Jim O'Donnell hates women and children, and it's just oh, Club of Sarah. Worry. I have I have those videos lined up, created and ready to go. It's it's just a, it's just an image of you on the 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 boat by yourself and Titanic, just like I want the whole one to myself. <laughs> women and children. Jim pushing an iceberg. <laughs> You think that if I'm on the Titanic, I'm going to be like, fuck the women and children. Let me go first. I want my own boat. You are wearing a blanket right now. Oh, I see it. (laughs) It's cold. It's a little, it's 68 degrees in my apartment. Oh, no. Oh. My my poor skin is so cold. Do you have any goosebumps? Not right now because I have goosebumps during watching children die. Okay. Good. I do want to know, actually, because we, we were sorry. I'm gonna pull us back into the movie for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to know because that was the thing, right? Like we're seeing Hunger Games esque things, like they have these booby traps uh, that are what are they called? Um, there's a name for them in this movie, but oh, I begin with a P, called. right? Oh, the mutts. No, 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 no. Just the no, no, no. general name of Ryan all Murphy's the things design. that they... Yeah, you know, those, the mutts are terrifying. But it the general like name... the American Horror Story, dude. Oh, yeah. Just, like, coming out. Is that the mutt behind you? 
Yeah, it's the mutt. I have a, a background of the mutt. Yeah, it looks um, like. I thought it was like, American Horror Story again. It looks like the Pale Man from a uh, labyrinth. Yeah, that's what I saw with the, like the little ha- the uh, eyeballs in the hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I laughed at that part when I was in movie theater. Ever, I was the I started losing it, cackling, laughing, and I was by myself, surrounded by a theater of people like terrified. So I just felt like a crazy person. Which I mean, I call myself a crazy person all the time as a bipolar person. So yeah, I felt like me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like, you, did you were you scared of that thing? You saw Pants Labyrinth in theaters. Yeah. Oh, I'm old. Okay, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to bring it up like that. <laughs> I just remembered I was like 11 when that happened. I was like, that's, I can't, I can't see movies like that in theaters. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm not going to tell you. I think that came out when I was in college. I'm going to check. What, what year was it? I think it was 2000. I, I thought originally 2004, but it might be 2006. Yeah, I was in college. 2006. So I was, I in, was yeah, I was... I was in seventh grade. I was 18 years old. I was like trying to remember. I was like, okay, I know that was in high school, but I don't remember going with my mom. It's because I could go by myself. Oh, rated our movies. My cousin worked at the AMC, uh, and so he would let me into R-rated movies oh, when he was working the ticket, ticket counter. Also, I was dating someone who was like four years old. Uh, older than me so they would buy me movie tickets and we would walk in i'd be like gooses yeah peace i'm gonna go see blade i'm gonna go see black hawk down (laughs) are you glad you did did that make a huge uh dent on your impressionable mind it didn't but i also went to see 40 days and 40 nights as like a 16 year old oh my god yeah where he's not allowed innocent for those I was of like, you... oh man, CGI boobs. For, for anybody <laughs> listening, CGI, the whole valley of CGI boobs. I had like a dean. Oh I had like a moment where I was like the dean from Community. I was like, oh, this better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Forty Days and Forty Nights, Josh Hartnett is not allowed to uh, orgasm um, at all for Forty Days and Forty Nights. He gives it up um, for what? For, for Lent? Lent. I think yeah. no. Maybe for Lent or just maybe out of a dare. I think it no, was for Lent. Lent. I think he does it for Lent. Um, yeah, sure. That's, an, that's then, a thing. Didn't the movie end with like trigger warning some like real mm. sexual assault? Yes. Yeah. She. Yeah. It was really bad. Uh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Not good. It was very privileged that they could put that in a movie. Um, yeah. and have that, that be a plot point and not yeah. be addressed because oh. it was it was something similar like like looking at looking at that film he was it 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 could have like really explored something that a lot of guys don't want to talk about because it's not masculine or they're less than where there's like a mm. real issue where we don't talk about these sorts of things um you know, and the same thing, like, bringing it back to the movie, like, Finnega Dare, like, in the book, he, like, talks about his experience. Yeah, I don't think um, we get enough of that. I haven't read... You the, don't uh, really get it in the movie. Yeah, you don't get it in the movie. I didn't much, get it. So, yeah. I didn't yeah, get it at I mean, all. They, they kind of allude to it when they talk about how he deals in secrets, but, mm-hmm. like, he spends very personal, intimate times because the capital sends him to, yeah. like, donors and, high, like, high political people. Like, that- he basically has like he you know is is basically pushed into sex trafficking 
Yeah, they made him look like I, like in the movie because I I could tell that they were trying to sexualize him up. He was kind of like you know hot like hot like hunk character, yeah, got, right? Like he's got sideburns. Yeah, and he's you know he's got a he's, trident. He was like super ripped or whatever. Um, so like yeah, they were just I felt like they he had like he looked like he could do like um commercials super really easy and sell like anything. Um, yeah, yeah. They they made him very marketable is what he looked like. He looked yeah. I mean, well, didn't they for all of them, all the characters except for poor Josh Hutch- Hutchinson? Oh, they yeah, they just make him look like uh, a twenty-two-year-old man uh, the entire time. <laughs> his his bl- they dyed his hair blonde. It was so bad in the last movie. I was oh, like, I couldn't stop so looking at his like obviously dyed blonde hair. But I did actually. I wrote this down. I did like that they kind of. This is like the first time in like most of the movies because, you know, despite the fact that they're in arena, it looked like they kind of made down Katniss. Like it looked she looked so much different in these films. Like she you could tell like they made it really look like she didn't have makeup on. And like when she was crying, Mm -hmm. you know, you could see kind of a lot of her expressions. But like, oh, my God, really do a lot of makeup on her, which was. Yeah. Like for it being a popular, high-budgeted film, um, I kind of liked that they kind of created that dichotomy between like her and Effie, yeah. um, and like really, you know, uh, really, really, really showed her as as the girl she was. I mean, they followed through once again with her compassion. She's like, "Oh no, I'm getting on that fucking plane. I'm sneaking on, and I'm gonna go be on the front lines of this. I'm not just gonna sit around and just like, you know, play." uh more propos and just like play the little uh the tool of look at me we're helping but really not because we don't want to die we'll hang back here mm-hmm. i thought though i really thought like i wrote like i wrote this down um about how coin really treats katniss like uh how do you pro- solve a problem like maria like i was watching her and and plutarch talk about <laughs> Talk about Katniss and and, and Coin being like, I well, whatever she's doing, it's for us. Make sure it's for us. Mm-hmm. And it really started singing in my head, like, how do you solve a problem like Katniss? <laughs> and then I, yeah, then I had a whole stream of consciousness thoughts about that. <laughs> Mostly uh, we... it was dancing and Hunger Games. <laughs> What did you think of uh, the sad, sad fate that was for Finnick? Um, I thought that if he was going to go, he would want to go protecting and fighting. Yeah. Um, I thought that he and Annie's love was so beautiful. Um, and they really played down Annie's mental state after her being in the like being a victor of the Hunger Games. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But like, I mean, I think in the book, they really just the the way he loved her and the way they kind of like overcame and were in this like shared traumatic experience and what they created out of a love for themselves, I think is so beautiful. And it kind of like not to not to get even more serious, but it kind of makes me think about like the shared experiences that we're all having now coming out of still start like still inside of the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, where we have a lot of these like shared experiences and shared trauma, but we all kind of have our own stuff because it's, we, you know, they obviously were in two different hunger games and, you know, we're all in like 
very different experiences of how we have been like we were in lockdown and things like that. And like watching people come together after this and like conversations that are happening and relationships that are forming. It's, I don't know, it, it made me kind of think of that. I, I'm really, uh, yeah, no, the way you come back from like a shared trauma is always going to be very, and, and I don't want to say that it, yep, how do I put it? I, it feels very much so that's what the, what's up? I said like what they created out of their experiences is right. kind of what I was kind of going for. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I don't know. Continue. Uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, you're you're good. I like I'm thinking about coming out uh, like uh, like I'm not out of this. We're still very much so in it. Um, but with the the pandemic, like with having a little bit more freedom to like seeing people more regularly, even going to work and actually having more uh, vulnerable, honest conversations, hanging out with people who are starting to like dabble back into like communicating with other people and seeing people more regularly. I'm finding it like this weird uh, purpose in uh helping other people get back to uh somewhat of like a sense of uh how to talk to people how to advocate for themselves how to like <laughs> like i have a lot of friends who just don't have their wheels turning and i'm trying so hard to help um because it's been it's been incredibly hard for me i know that with being uh as a you know bipolar person it's supposed to be mania and depression i got mostly depression during all of this um Sure, the mania was there to help me uh, forget about two weeks at a time every now and then, so it made it go a little faster. So that was tight. Um, but yeah, I'm at, I'm at, at like where we're at now. I just can't help but like wanna. Um, I don't want to just like get better by myself. Like I have this much more of like, I don't know. I want all of us to do a little bit better out of this. Like I don't know what it is, but like I think part of feeling so alone for so long just was like at this point I'm like I don't want anything like that. I hate aloneness. I want the opposite of that now. So how can we all like, um, well seek into everyone's individual relationship with you know the traumatic experiences that we face. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to be like. No, 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 no. Tell me what you got out of it. What did you get? Like, where are you at? Because you're right. We're all coming at this. Uh, you're. Everyone's gonna get their own version of it. Like, I don't know why when you were talking about everyone having their own version, I was like, yeah. There's like Pepsi lemon. There's Pepsi lime. There's Pepsi like cherry. Like we all have our own little yeah. twist on it. You know. Yeah. It's all Pepsi. I prefer though. to be a diet wild cherry Pepsi. Sure. I just. I the only reason <laughs> I think this happened is because I went to. Um, get fast food the other day on break and they had one of those machines where you, they're just a free for all. You could just be like, yeah, Dr. Pepper, what a strawberry. Sure. Fuck it. I'll put that in there. <laughs> like, you know what, Ty, you know what that is? It's a bread and circus. They're trying to distract you with thousands of different flavors for their $10 fucking sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. For, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was trying to make that funny, but it, then it got sad because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did it. They got me. They totally fucking got me. Did you guys? I loved. I loved the wedding. Speaking of speaking of oh, Fiona, yeah. I mean, I'm not Fiona. Um, Finnick and Annie's wedding, or Fiona, because it's Finnick and Annie. So I'm gonna call him Fiona. Um, may that work? Improv, holler. Um, <laughs> uh, their wedding was so great. It was so neat to see like the different cultural elements from like different districts and just like see people having joy in a time of holy moly, we on a war. Yeah, I like the. It was a little, a little Irish wedding that they just had in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it did. 
it did feel very slice of life for a moment. It was like a nice cut um, and had a very different feel from majority of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which I think it's supposed to do, right? Like it's supposed to be like, oh, let's pull away and look at this little happy moment real quick. Well, it shows that life like, goes on too. Mm-hmm. Well, it it also showed me, oh, Finnick's gonna die. <laughs> oh, oh, like God, as soon yes. as I saw that scene, I was like, oh, they're killing him. Yeah, he's dead. There's no way he's ending out of this. Oh, alive. Yeah, hundred percent. That happened. I was like, well, that's the death of Finnick. There goes Finnick. There goes Mahershala Ali. Like they're all they're all dying soon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a lot of people like Prim. Prim's death really got me. Uh, yeah. It's like the whole whole reason for doing this just died. I I wrote that down of like, <laughs> well, if we had just let her die in the uh, Hunger Games of the first movie, then we th- we could have avoided all this. But instead, uh, she dies anyway. Once, once again, with a grim. With the grim realities there, President O'Donnell. <laughs> I just want these kids to die. <laughs> Wouldn't it have sucked? Not to make another like franchise comparison, but it's kind of like how, like Harry Potter, like everyone Harry Potter cared about, pretty much died for him to become the leader and like person he was supposed to be this whole time. Like this moment, like everything led up to that moment. Like, you know, I feel like as much as Prim's death really gutted me, it needed to happen for Katniss to be able to do what she needed to do because really only Katniss could have done it because she was the voice Mm -hmm. of that whole revolution. I mean, not to mention uh, if Prim didn't die, we wouldn't have had that amazing fucking scene where she loses her shit on a cat um which got me it really did um because as a pet owner who has lived during a pandemic i have completely uh like worked stuff out with my cats and been incredibly emotional um because those little fucks just look at you in your face and they have no clue what you're saying but they know god damn they just don't get it (laughs) pay rent understand my pain cat (laughs) well it was even more meaningful because that cat hated Katniss, yeah. and it was Prim's cat, and they just merely tolerated each other. Like this cat was like a whole character. Um, they just tolerated each other because it was it's it's Prim's cat, mm-hmm. and like when the cat was just like, yeah, I get it, she's gone. Just let let me let me. I'm just gonna let you pick me up and love on me. It's like this moment where. You know, there's like this shared understanding of like shit sucks. Also, my cat likes to always touch me at all times, and when I'm sad, he's like, "I'm gonna come and like sit all over you," and it makes me happy because he's very heavy, very warm. He's like my own personal thunder vest. You mentioned that I didn't really notice that Prim and Katniss hate each other, or not Prim and Katniss, Prim's cat and Katniss hate each other more in the book yeah but like it's like they there's like this shared hatred i gotta say now watching that last scene with or watching that scene where the two of them hug (laughs) perfect acting from that cat because that cat looked so annoyed to be hugged by katniss Mm -hmm. yeah that is was that cat cat nominated for any awards oh Best actor, if I cack buttercup. Cack yeah, Jim, can you can you look that up on IMDb? Yeah, butter yeah. buttercup, and then awards. Just see if buttercup awards gets you. Did what you're the for. cat in Hunger Games 
die. No, that's not my No. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's the opposite. Yeah, no. Didn't receive a posthumous award for, for best cat. All right. Best cactor. What's really weird is... I, I cat just, actor, cat actor. I just cleaned at some cat. person's house today Sorry. who has a cat that looks exactly like that. Like a massive, unnecessarily... You're like, this cat's like 18 pounds, right? There's no way that cat's not 18 pounds. Oh, that cat is easily 18, maybe more. Okay. It was like, it had, like, it, it, it was, yeah. It, it looked like it could take on wild cats. Like it could go live out in the wilderness and be fine. Well, I mean, that cat essentially did live in the wilderness and yeah, was fine. It lived in yeah, District actually, 12 and ate entrails. Actually, yeah, good point. It did, it, yeah. <laughs> When That's did your real. when did Ollie la- or Harrison last last eat raw entrails? So first off, how many times uh, so did I say entrails during this conversation? Harrison, my oldest cat, Harrison. Uh, hashtag, uh, I'm sorry, not hashtag. Uh, follow everybody at Species Nonconforming. Yeah, I'm gonna put that. That's better than my Instagram. Uh, but Harrison, I found uh, he was chewing wires behind a television. That's how I discovered Harrison at five weeks old. I got him from a place. Oliver, oh, on the other hand, little Oliver was found in the woods in a tire with like a bloody nose, <laughs> like Aww. arms arms of an angel style, and we got him at a shelter. And he's the sweetest little bean in the whole wide world. But yeah, we he, oh, he's my little yeah he's my little tire boy, and I love him so much. And uh, I I don't know I don't know how he survived, but he did it for who knows how long. I mean, cats do they're survivors. They're animals. They have, they have their instincts. My uh, cat growing up named Roxy, uh, she was a killer. She used to leave like bunnies, snakes, mice at like my dad's car door. And the Blue Jays hated her and they would dive bomb her. Oh, my sister. They would just literally like (laughs) attack. My sister. Watching a war film. Currently has a dog who has neat. She, she, her dog has these like neat piles of dead animals that she keeps behind the shed that she plays with and has them like organized so she has like they're like when i say a pile i don't mean like it's like stacked on top of each other perfectly and she'll like be like oh, i think the squirrel today and we'll grab the squirrel and then whip it around and then put it back in its pile exactly where it was do you guys notice this and just don't bury these dead animals and just let her like go and play with them no they they found out one day and they were like oh my god we have we have a <laughs> sociopath for a dog <laughs> did they name it dexter oh, Zoe no. close. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god Wow. My sister was horrified when she found out. I don't remember. I don't know how they dealt with the animals. I, well, maybe they just chucked them in the trash or something. But <laughs> Both of them need therapy. I mean, I encourage your sister to get some for that. But also, that dog should go and work something out. Or at least learn how to function without being, like, so blatantly. Like, you need to disguise. Uh, you're going to need to figure the, out how to blend it. What are the dog's it. patterns? Like, do you notice patterns of its behavior? Uh, killing small animals. Uh... I wish I knew other patterns of serial he, killers that yeah, I could say. Yeah, he has a, an unnecessary or like a really unhealthy uh, obsession with his model train in the basement. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, okay, let's let's not say that that's uh, a serial killer only activity. Some people like model trains. Okay, I know, but but some of those people are serial killers statistically. Uh, once again, it reminds me of the dean from Community. I'm in <laughs> trains now. <laughs> Man, I, my my coworkers and I, 
we were uh, talking about like who we would all be if we were community. Uh, I would 100% be the Dean. I feel like the Dean is me and yeah. I am the Dean. Uh, those all the honestly, I bet the Dean had a blast with all the different outfits that he wore, like throughout oh, the, yeah. every single. Oh, really? Wait, yeah, Jim Jim Rash has an Oscar. Jim Rash. Yeah, yeah, he has an Oscar for writing. Oh, some movie. I forget. I remember when he won it and being like, "Hey, it's the Dean." Yeah, I... and the Dean. I just watched. This. I've been. I'm on my fourth rewatch of Community since March. Um, <laughs> And I watched the episode today. It was like the first episode of season of season four. And they do the Hunger Deans where oh, they wow. he, they have to get they have to do like these acts of physical activity. And he's dressed like like a chill uh, effy trinket from uh, like from the Hunger Games. That's and he's got like a wig and a dress. And then they, like they have to play for these balls that are marked with like his like this very um, abnormal like bite mark <laughs> the hunger deans and he has like two guys and like a unicorn outfit like carry jeff. a chariot it's very jeff funny. has to dance with them i remember that episode yeah, yeah yeah and like they pull a dress down and he's wearing a different dress <laughs> yeah i hate I... to say it go ahead, oh, go ahead Joe. i was just gonna say i love the gay dean episode Oh, they they gay parody. Dean. Gay Dean, Gay Dean, Gay Dean. That's the one where he goes, where they're like, "You're gay," and he goes, "Oh, gay doesn't even begin to describe me." Oh my god, seriously. <laughs> he comes out Same. as a politician at the, a political person at the end. <laughs> like that was the thing. It was very funny. It's a great episode. I uh, I love that show. Me too. Gonna, I gotta I gotta say, Sarah, do you have any guesses as to what I think, uh, who I would be? Um, is it also Dean? No, I, it's a combination of Dean, but also because of the show, Jim. Okay, Sarah, please. Because guess. of this show. Well, now I've just given a hint. Are you I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't think you're I'm, a Jeff. I think that Jim and I are Troy and Abed, and I think I'm. Troy. Oh, okay. I was. Like, <laughs> I feel like more of a Troy to me. Yeah, I'm, I feel like a, a little bit more like an Abed in this situation. I'm, I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, gosh, you left me a lot of characters that you could be. No, no it's totally fair. I, I hope I'm not Chevy Chase. Fuck him. Um, I was, I was gonna say, I always wish, I, I always hope that I'm Donald Glover, but I know that I'm probably Chevy Chase. <laughs> better not no, be Chevy no, Chase. You never want to be Chevy Chase. No, I wouldn't do no, this podcast with you if you were Chevy Chase. <laughs> no, he was. I apparently I read somewhere that he was such a dick during these. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. He like, yeah. wouldn't film bits because, like, and I also didn't realize that he was born into like a very prominent family and just like uh you know just decided he was gonna do comedy i'm like more entitled jerk holes and very pragmatically it's his way yeah i don't like him boo i think think he was also in uh oh god what's that band that that song is like Uh, steely dan oh never mind (laughs) um Steve Martin is in a band. He's a he's a world class uh, banjo player. He's yeah. Excellent. He's from or he lives in Hendersonville, North Carolina now, and he does this like big thing with the uh, big thing there every year with his steel banjo playing. I like what he still shows up in things. Uh, he's one of oh, those guys um, that's 
watching him. Oh, in the him show and right Martin now. Short when they uh-huh. did their comedy special was so funny. Oh, oh no, they have a, a a Hulu show or a show that I'm watching on Hulu. Um, Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah, Selena yeah, Gomez. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching the first couple episodes of that, and I gotta say, I'm sold. Um, I, I, yeah, they're. Come on, the two of them together, and also throwing in Selena Gomez. I was like, yeah, sure, let's see where this fucking goes. Uh, and they all work together incredibly well. I saw that. I was like, that's a, such an odd conversation, but I'm here for it. I, I feel like in the way that how I felt in the early days of doing improv in Philadelphia, where I, I got matched up with a bunch of vets and I knew I'd be taken care of, like I would be so intimidated to be in a show with Steve Martin and. Like, granted, I don't know much of Selena Gomez's work, so maybe I'm completely out of line here. She was but I, excellent I would... in Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> I, if I was like, okay, cool. This is, this Jim is... wouldn't watch it because he doesn't like children or women. <laughs> That's true. Good point. <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place was a fine show. <laughs> <laughs> but I, would I can't be, I don't stand know why. those children actors. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have a lot of feelings. I'd be like kind of, I mean, I, but I, I do think as though, you, like... In a very similar way, the way that I feel about, like, I don't know, Robin Williams or something like that, like, you'd be taken care of, like, somebody would kind of, like, they, they, they'll, that you'll be fine. Like, they just seem like kind people on set. Like, in the same way that I've, like, seen, like, stuff about Eugene Levy. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. I bet you're oh, just really, Levy. I, bet, I bet you, no matter what, you just, you're, it's going to be fine on set and you're all going to support each other and you're all going to hug each other and go home. Like, yeah. You know, I forgot Eugene Levy was in Family Vacation. And I got yep. like really excited. I was like, "Oh man, look how young he is! Yeah, look at those eyebrows." <laughs> That's the two thoughts you have uh, for that movie. <laughs> I mean, it, essentially, yeah. I they're, mean, I'm an, I'm totally something. an eyebrows person. How I didn't go? Oh, Dan Levy is Eugene Levy's son. Like sooner is fucking beyond me because it's just like he has his dad's eyebrows. You know, Twyla's his daughter too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, she was. To me, I just watched through that show. Uh, I think Twyla was my favorite character because it yeah. felt like she was the she was the only one who like really got her joke, and she got one joke, and that was it. And I loved it. Yeah, and she, she was kind it. of like her and Patchwork, Patch, Patchwork, uh, Patchwork, her and Patrick were kind of like the only normal people on that show mm-hmm. in that town. Yeah, and and I love it because. Let's be real. Twyla, traumatized and, like, been through some dark shit, is a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or she's got, or maybe she's got uh, a dog like Jim's dog. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's my I was sister's to make dog. A callback joke. Don't, don't try to distance yourself from the dog, Jim, okay? Look, you <laughs> have sociopath murderers in your family you have I murderers raise you have murderers dog. in your family <laughs> i feel like this has turned into me let's let's tease jim yeah that's <laughs> throughout this whole oh. episode <laughs> i forgot that's the bullet point i didn't discomfort of trauma no 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 this is that's the bullet point i forgot to tell you before we started recording is that you can bully jim and he likes it um <laughs> that's actually i, mean, I don't know if i can send it to this that's fair no that's fair <laughs> i'm just kidding that is actually a bullet point we've been telling people where we're like, hey, um, it's o- it's totally okay to bully me. I think it's very funny, uh, but it's twice as funny if you don't bully Kai and, in fact, like, <laughs> uh, treat them like, oh, you're the greatest person ever, and, th- and then be Kai, like, do you want fuck me to you, mail Jim. you some Domino's pizza? Yeah, yeah, no, oh my god, please do. Um, I would love that. Ish. Oh, I just want to make sure you're well-fed and taken care of. <laughs> oh, Jim, I hope you have a decent night. 
Oh, God. thank you. Oh, Could you sir, also send you me s- that so that did, no. I hate it? <laughs> did you send these two lovely, beautiful men to just fan me with these leaves? I what did. Think- hopefully, hopefully they're wearing the thongs that I sent sent over to them. Why are they both wearing masks with Finnick's face on them? Okay, I knew I knew you would enjoy that. <laughs> did you just send I, me okay. poop in well, a box? Now everyone knows I, I enjoy did it. send you poop in a box. <laughs> oh. I have a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon. Knew <laughs> 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 um, that would come handy some point. Oh my god. Thanks for making it easy when I had to pick the uh, the quote for the episode. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I did send you poop in a box. I'm <laughs> from Carnegie yeah. Mellon. Yeah, good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that when they when someone Google's <laughs> SEO, I hope that's what comes Google's up. Carnegie Mellon degree. This episode pops up. <laughs> you know, at least better. I put like my my master's degree into good practice and talking about. I could have gone into a lot of like literary theories, but no, but instead you came I on our podcast. What your listeners would want to hear a lot of like <laughs> Judith Butler and Michelle Foucault and whatnot. <sighs> I mean, but who doesn't want to listen to Michelle Foucault or Slavov Zizek? Oh, boy. I had a moment myself. Thank you. I wish I knew what those things were. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, so there's a documentary about Slavov Zizek that's pretty baller. I forget what it's called. Um, but uh, it's like about his theories on dream stuff. Uh, he's like the bad boy rock star of the literary theory world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just found him. Okay, cool. That was way easier than I thought it was going to be, actually. Yeah, Zizek. Oh, he's... I'm going to be looking into him later today. You're welcome, listeners. Okay, wait. So, just in the meantime, or maybe if you're looking things up, I apologize. So, we did Community, but who do you identify with in this franchise? In this franchise? Oh, golly. Actually, you know, for as much as I've been involved in reading and thinking and I've not, I've not thought about that. Mm. I mean, I think at one, like, I don't want to sound like very self-serving when I say this, but at some points I do feel like Katniss Mm -hmm. because I really do believe in the power of compassion and authenticity and like what these authentic moments mean in making connections with other humans Mm. where, um, and then also, like, what your relationships, like, the very, you know, Katniss likes to say she's this lone wolf, but she's very much fed by these meaningful relationships that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it motivates her. So, like, you know, I, I was just, just I, I just bought something for my phone to take all of my pictures, put them on a thumb, then it's like a thumb drive with, like, a lightning port. And I ran into this, like, I took a screenshot of it, but I... I have this thing in my office that has been up for a few years um, since the second class class I taught, which was probably 2014. No, probably 2012. Um, but I asked students, my, this, uh, uh, the class that I taught was about like women's leadership. It was for first year students. And I asked students on the first day what they thought the class would be about. And this one um, young woman wrote... I drew a picture of a megaphone with clouds and like loud noise coming out of the megaphone. 
Mm. Um, I asked her to cut, co- like, I loved it. I loved her explanation of it. I asked her to color it and I've been put it and I laminated it and I hang it up in every office I've been in since then. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. It, and like, you know, I have a lot of students that have told me like they'd never realized like, because like I would share like authentic bits of who I am, you know, obviously through a professional lens, but like, you know, telling people like, you know, you could at the end of the day, the one thing that you have left is your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can try to take your voice around out, but like you can use your voice in different ways. Um, and so like you, it, like you are like it's because you're to me your voice is that drive as a part of who you are and the message that you want to send into the world um and so like i had students who really would come to me later and like say like you know without your class i would have never met my friends i would have never realized i wanted to be a writer i would never have realized that like women's issues were so important to me um but creating meaningful moments for other people to kind of step into themselves um, I've seen a lot of like what Katniss does in these moments, you know, like at her heart, she's a protector. She wants to join like the mission. She wants to do what she can. Um, you know, she's, she's not a pawn. Um, and she, the agents that she has comes from like being a leader of the heart, which is like, there's like five different forms of being a leader, like that part of being a leader. Um, and that level of compassion, I think, so I mean I see I see a lot of um, and also she, she's very strategic. It takes her a little while to get into herself, but like she is really strategic and forms really valuable relationships that helps her accomplish her goals. So like I think for those reasons and that very long diatribe I just had for that reason <laughs> I think I would put myself as a Katniss. I think context is very important. No, for real. And also, again, like, I feel like that's also, like, an authentic moment that, you know, hopefully somebody listening to that will, you know, have something stern in their heart. Well, I can honestly say also, just as your friend, uh, yes, you that is very fitting, and you're not out uh, anywhere. Uh, you are very on par with referring to yourself as a Katniss. Uh, I am sadly uh, the little kid that, uh, like, the little curly-haired kid that got, like, killed immediately before even getting <laughs> into the Hunger Games. Rue? <laughs> No, the little, like, the little, uh, the little kid, like, the very scrawny, uh, boy that just, like, uh, basically, I think, I don't know if he even get, they didn't show his death, but he didn't even make it out of the ship, or whatever the fucking thing is. Um, or out of, like, what is it, he went in to go, like, I'm gonna have to look him up. He's, like, this little kid that, like, was very scrawny and had long curly hair. Oh, like, they got to, like, the cornucopia, and then yeah, he everyone got to, started yeah. running, and then he got, like, his head. And then, I think Kato killed him, yeah, I think he got his head cut off or something like that. But they had to, like, cut away. They didn't even show it. But I don't know. Honestly, I, 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 I kid, I think I think I would be more. I think, I, like, if I had to, like, aside from, like, whether or not they would live and things like that, I don't know where I align. I wish I could say I was a Katniss. Can I tell you what I think you would be? Yeah. I think you would be, like, a, uh, I think his name is Beatty. Oh, He's okay. one of the guys in Three mm. who is very, like, he was, part, he was partnered with, uh, virus in the second, uh, the second movie. Yeah, he's the he's Jeffrey Wright. He's a he's in a wheelchair for the last two movies. Je- uh, Jeffrey who? Jeffrey Wright. 
Why am I totally blanking? Oh, yeah, okay, yes, mm-hmm. uh, te- the tech guy who makes magic arrows. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but I would say, for me, I would say that's what you are. Not to like insert or project anything onto no. you, because, uh, but I would see see you as that because you're so logistical and like you come up with like, okay, well, we this isn't going to happen. Let's come up with this other plan. That's um, my and to also do. super adaptable. Uh, yeah, that's. That's because I have uh, had to many a times just deal with crises. Uh, at this point, I'm like, sure, what else you got for me, world? And I'm grateful for that. Um, adapt. You figure it out. Uh, you don't panic. Rule number one, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really funny for me to say uh, as like <laughs> often a very manic individual <laughs> not to panic. But I oddly don't these days anymore uh, as much as I used to. It's nice to finally get here where I'm oh. just like, all right. Not everything has to end. I'll be okay. Well, that might be because you're, you've you seen Panic and you're like, well, this doesn't really warrant it. So oh, don't worry. It's not a... Don't worry, guys. Like, it, it could be worse. Like, we, here we are. Don't worry. If we don't panic, it doesn't... Nothing's going to happen. I, I think I've also just, like, realized the, the ripple effect of my panic and how big of a personality I am and how much space uh, and how much... If I panic, how much that affects the space that I'm in, like, in and the people that are, like... Especially if uh, they're looking up to me or, like, I'm responsible. You, I try not to. I'm like, I'm going to step away. I'm going to go have, if I'm going to panic, I'm going to panic away from here so it doesn't become, like, a problem as well for you. Um, I'd rather go collect, like, panic, collect, reroute, come back, tell you what the resolve is versus having you watch me scramble and uh, and feel, like, discomfort over, like, I guess also I don't know what's going to happen. <sighs> like, I'm not trying to ripple effect anxiety for Can you do that one more time? Like a Muppet? <laughs> Wait, hold on one more time. I need to get the full... I became okay. a ghost on the last one. <laughs> that's okay. Rules of three. I just needed to say it. No, that's totally fine. Uh, well, we all know Jim is president now. No. Undoubtedly. Because he we fucking joking? hates kids. I'm... He hates kids. Man, no. I was also real bummed. Like, in the books, he looks like a snake, and, like, he is not snake-like, other than personality in this. But anyway, Jim is President Snow. No, they should have gotten jo- uh, fucking uh, Patrick Stewart, um, I think, would have been a great Snow. But anyways, that's just my opinion. He's got, like, a slit tongue. Ugh. I don't know if that's true or not. But I, 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 I imagined it. Anyway, Jim, President Snow. No, I'm Effie, and we all, like, very easy, like, <laughs> clear-cut Effie. We got this. Like, I come in, and I'm just like, I'm sure there's a character behind me, but I'm just obsessed with mahogany. Like, <laughs> I want to pull these names out of a bowl. Primrose. <laughs> did did she have much more of an interesting, like, character workout development process in the books than she does in the movie? Because... It felt a, it rushed in the movie almost like okay now she's a good person. Um, I feel like I feel like we see more. I, I mean, I, don't quote me on this because I never really did a ton of focus on Effie, but I do. I think that like they kind of struck gold with Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. But I feel like we see, like you do see, like in the books how Effie struggled being in District Thirteen, like struggled. Um, and they had her, all of her team, all of her fashion team was in district 13, um, at one point. Um, but I mean, I think in the first two books you, I mean, the first two movies, you get more of Effie 
being a sympathetic character than kind of like a pain in the ass. Mm. But like you like, you know, because I mean, they, you have Elizabeth Banks who like plays that role incredibly where she's like a lovable, like a lovable villain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jim. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Jim. All right. Y'all, we're going to end up with a, a two-hour episode here, unless we do this part, which we need to get to at this point. Oh, um, yeah. So, I feel like I have, and you don't have to put this in there, I feel like I have um, like made your show very serious tonight. Oh, no. We actually have been talking about this. Uh, we don't care. We're trying to actively focus on not having this be like a comedy podcast, but rather literally just be exactly what it authentically oh, cool, is. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Which is just a commentary on the movie, and drifting is allowed. Also, and making fun of Jim. Yeah. And basically. making fun of Jim. Also, we had you in for the fourth movie because we wanted to get the most out of your experience, like teaching the class uh, yeah, on it. This is exactly what we wanted. Cool. Yeah, I, so. uh, I, I, it was, I didn't really do a lot of teaching on the third book, but I think a lot of the themes are, yeah, it's just, it's so much so much to talk about with like you know and you could spend all you could spend weeks talking about just how they've looked at hunger and poverty and um i I, and how like you could talk for weeks about like the war tactics and what rebellion and activism looks like um and you can pop back into your into the podcast anytime if i'm this is good no you're good you're good. Keep saying the things. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I was like, I we're I think we're back in it, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, okay. Uh, well, whenever you feel like we're back in it, you could just just pop right in. Um, Thank you. Yeah, there like, but there's so many aspects you could talk for weeks on on certain things. And one thing that I thought was neat, you know, when I was teaching this class, um, was I had students do a debate, and I would say like. You know, we we would talk about power and dynamics, and I would I took this activity I found on the internet, and I, I love this activity where you could I I rearranged chairs in like a uh, like I put four chairs out, I put three that were right next to each other, I made sure one was raised up a little bit in the height, mm-hmm. and then I put one on the edge, um, so it kind of looked like an L. And then I would ask students to go and and look at the chairs and say like, okay, well, which chair has the most power? Ooh. And so then they could would debate, well, which one has more power? Some people would pick the raised one that that was higher than the rest. Some people might say in the middle of the two on the side because everybody has to look at that person. Mm. Some people might say the the L, the bottom of the L, because it was the only one by itself. So it, it was like the head of the table. Mm. So then we could have a conversation about power to, power with, and power over, mm. which um, it looks at the idea of like, I have the power to do something, the power within me to do something, like a very Beyonce moment. Um, where you have power with, which is like a collaborative sense of power, which might be the three chairs or all four chairs or two on two, but it was very, it's very collaborative. And then you have the idea of power over, which is like a very hierarchical style of leadership where, you know, there's one person making the decisions where it's very much like Pan Am in itself is like the power over structure where like fear is used as a tactic to manipulate um, and, 
you know, like it's the same thing we were talking about uh, compassion as a form of, of manipulation from president snow when really, you know, that compassion that he was showing was fed off of the fear of, uh, of, of Pan Am in this moment of tribulate, like of, of struggle for them and like sh- having the first time that they felt this kind of like external struggle that, you know, people in Pan Am have been feeling for, for decades, like over a century, I believe, or close to a century at least. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we would have these conversations about like what power over looks like and like what, power with could do to be able to affect change. Um, And then there's this really interesting concept, uh, like a theorist in higher education, it's Aston and Aston. They talk about the social, the social change model, which has, um, you know, the, the individual like us as an individual person and then how we work within a group and then how that impacts society and then how each of those things can, impact the other. So I learn when I'm within a group about what my strengths and weaknesses are, um, about like how, and then how that impacts my beliefs about if I'm practicing what I'm preaching, there's like another thing called the seven C's of leadership. Um, and then, but like I, from being within a group, I'm contributing and bringing my strengths and weaknesses, but then I'm learning stuff about myself and the process where the group in the same thing, same vein, like us as a group, you know, we can impact society through actions, specific campaigns, et cetera, where then we, if, if then if uh, society then kind of impact back to the group where like, if your campaign fails or so you learn as a group, what you need to do to adjust and then move forward um, where um, the individual can impact the society, you know, people like Katniss who, you know, use their compassion and their authenticity and their fervor for protecting their loved ones makes a huge impact in society. Because like, even just looking at the one example of when they attacked the mine, um, she says, stop, don't hurt him. You know, he like, don't, he's hurt. And, right. you know, he goes back and hits the gun on her, you know, she, but she's taken that moment of compassion and people see these moments. Pe- the people across the nation have seen her sacrifice herself over and over and over again and speak her truth. Um, where then she's also learned something about herself in this process. Like it's like when you go and volunteer at a soup kitchen or something, you've learned something about like, oh, well, I really like doing this, or I know that I've made a difference in society in this way. Like Katniss has learned more about herself as a leader yeah. and knows that she can play some of these manipulative games and kind of play things around to be able to enact the change that she wants to enact on the world. Um, so kind of, we looked at all of these things as kind of like ways to, uh, how people can like authentically work together and form like these power with moments of like, you know, she works with Hamish in the last, in the, and like when we talked about, uh, when, uh, when she and Hamish vote yes on the hunger games for the capital children, there's like a greater purpose or privilege behind that. Uh, I was not purpose or privilege. I'm sorry. Somebody's knocking on my window. Um, it's my friend with her dog macaroni. He's very cute. He's giant. Macaroni. Um, he's so cute. Um, but yeah, they have these moments where, uh, you know, they're working with each other. They're creating these collaborative things where they kind of know what each other inside of each other's heads and they can kind of plot out some of the, these moves, which started out as for, for survival, but it ended up 
being something that changed the way the nation goes. Um, and, you know, and there was, there, there was something that she said, um, I wrote it down. It is half of my life is literally, I wrote it down and trying to find it in my notes. I just talked a lot. I don't know if you guys had like had something. I actually, so I wanted to, uh, to comment off of the, when thinking about like the, like the positioning of like, uh, power with like like focusing on like how much how much just literally without words how we position ourselves both like and I think about it a lot like when I'm on scenes and I'm doing improv I think about it a lot when I'm having serious conversations with people that matter to me like I, I've started to think more about like where am I sitting with you and I one to try to make sure that it's like authentically aligning with like my core values before I begin the conversation but I guess also I can't help but think that like I don't want to manipulate the situation, but it's like, oh, if I sat like this, like I know from improv, if I, if I stand or sit like this in relationship to someone, I have, may appear to the audience like I have a higher status. So I get in my head all the time. I'm like, I don't, I want to have a heart to heart with this person. I don't want to be sitting in a position where I have a higher status or I'm present giving that image to the person who's like trying to have the conversation with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, bringing that back to the hunger games, cause I see exactly what you're trying to say. Like there's moments where to do a common good, like it's, it, it feels like an, we use manipulation, like a, a dirty word sometimes yeah. where it's kind of like you're using, you're seeing opportunities, which is manipulation. Um, and I'm not saying like, manipulation isn't bad by all means definitely is but like uh think about it like when we're at work like sometimes like i'll make relationships with people at work um and like i'll get to know what people like what people you know their family's names or their you know things about them and like you know that way i could have a personable conversation with them Mm -hmm. but when i need something done to do what i need to do like especially because like i like it's easier to get an answer from someone if they trust you and I genuinely like all of these people so it's not like I'm doing it with the intent of being malicious but to be able to do what I need to do to help people in need I like will say like hey person who trusts me and who I trust Mm -hmm. like I will like we've developed this rapport like it's easier to get that that stuff f- from them. I mean, and even like look, looking at Plutarch from um, Plutarch Heavensby, like who was a game maker, you know, literally put situ. He said at the end, like I would do everything, like and and put every situation. I would do this again just to get you to do what you needed to do because he knew Katniss was better than she knew herself and put her in all of these situations, like uh, that that caused her to kill coin. And was that, was that, was that for the common good? You know, like when we look at, we look at like different movements through history, like people had to, like they had to organize, they had to strategize. They had to like, they knew, you know, when to place people, uh, you know, like place people at countertops or when to place people, you know, standing outside of a government building or, you know, Alice Paul, when she was going on a hunger strike in jail for the suffragette movement. You know, these are all different moments where people saw opportunities to make a difference. And I feel like that coming in with, like, what's the, the in diversity and inclusion, there's a lot of talk between, like, 
intent versus outcome. No, that's real. No, I, I, I'm trying to think uh, how much of, like, I'm trying to think about every single time I've gone to, like, a protest, right? And I'm trying to look back in terms of, like, you know, especially these days, like, what was my what was my core reasoning for being there? And just, like, trying to, like, really examine that and, and yeah. make sure it's, it's for an authentic and genuine reason and, and not just for, like, self-serving stuff. Um, but I do think I'm like, oh, like, those, you know, those chants, the, the you know, that we would learn, the catchy ones... There are kind of like, we're going to, they're like a manip, not, I don't want to, I guess I'm going to use the word manipulative, but they are something that is like a tool used to bring unity that is like, 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 it's where all of a sudden we're like, oh, all of a sudden we feel like we've been, we're banded together. It's like, well, it's not an accident. Yeah, no, they were like, okay, cool. We need tools in order to, to build that. Um, there's always going to be like, if you want to build a movement, you need to construct it. So therefore there will be hands intentionally making things uh to make the movement move <laughs> yeah well we saw that in the film like we saw like you know when she snuck out um to join all 13 districts together for the first time out in public right. with the the woman who eventually becomes president you know they she wants to be in, wants to be there um and and these like it, it was important for them to and that's where some of the pro the propos like when that started to come out because they wanted to like they they needed to people needed to see Katniss they needed to see the unity they like because they had to like public perception is so important even when at the end when they drop the they drop the um the gifts everyone thinks is the capital and that's when snow says like all of my own guard were like deuces you just killed your own people to save your butt when yeah. really it was the rebels who did it yeah and did that? Did Nancy. the rebels did that speak for everyone when they did those things? It's that time. <laughs> uh, I, it's the time. I want to make sure that everybody, if there's a note that you feel like you didn't get to say in the podcast, you get to say it. Uh, so, Jim, if you uh, do, you have one to kick us off, or do you need a second? Uh, let me just take a quick look. Oh, I have a thing. I have to do it. It's not even about the thing. I just promised that I would do it on this episode. Uh, last episode, I, I said I was going to Iowa and I shit on Humphrey's corn. Um, I'm wrong. I went to Grinnell, Iowa. Everyone go to Grinnell, Iowa. It's not just corn. It's not just standard corn. It's good fucking corn. The corn goes on the on the sides. Like It's just like there's not dead corn anywhere. It's just all alive, wonderful, plump corn. So yeah, get that sweet corn. That's it. I just pro I promised that I would make a public apology about the corn. Give me corn or give me death. <laughs> I hope that's their like slogan. It's not just corn. It's not. It's it's so fucking good. So I'm wrong about sweet corn in Grinnell, Iowa. Uh, so folks, get out there and get some in your life. Uh, I had some today and it was quite delicious. It can be a meal. Um, um, the garden in the Capitol is shaped like a penis. Wait, is it? Oh yeah, big time. There, they show like a map of it, and there's this really big penis and balls that's pointing up toward the Capitol. I was too. I guess I wasn't. I was too fixated on the fact that the ships looked like whales from upside, like from underneath, that I was not seeing the the penis. Oh, I was. I was very fixated on the penis 
I mean, you do hate women and children, so it, ma- it makes sense. You're very, very fixated on the penis. Yeah, I just—it's all I can think about. <laughs> Man, if that's not a power move, I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I just had my final uh, thing because I don't really have many an immense amount of notes on this movie. Um, but I out loud was like, why are they in a fucking crayon factory? When I just saw, like, a bunch of missiles. <laughs> like a giant... I just, oh, saw the, <laughs> I just saw the missiles. They were so colorful and fun. And I was just like, oh, look at these giant crayons. Because we didn't talk about... We also didn't talk about Julianne Moore's, like, straight-up, like, free bird falling death at the end when she's, like, <laughs> holding her arms up and open and gets shot and then yeah. Fall. Yeah, she she totally opened herself up for getting shot in the chest yeah. with an arrow. I also liked the idea of when she killed Coin, the crowd just like swarms uh, Snow to kill him. And I thought it was really funny if the crowd was like, "Oh my God, she forgot to kill Snow!" And then they had then they kill her themselves because of that. And he was gonna die anyway. He was doing oh, yeah. a bunch. He was doing a big bleed. Oh yeah, his mouth was bleeding heavily. Also, um, Ju- Julianne Moore's hair. Can we just hot- switch back to that for a hot second? Because, oh boy. I mean, how do you feel about it? Are you are you anti? Um, are you pro? Uh, it's perfect. I like it. Yeah. It's it looks like it's very it's a very good look for Julianne Moore. I mean, not yeah, I mean, hard. it just shows us what she's going to look like in the future. I mean, her hair is gorgeous already. Yeah. Bread and circus, bread and circus, y'all. I, I I love like frosty like I like I can't wait to have like gray white hair um, and hope that I can own it well. Um, we'll see. I got it in my beard and I stopped like using mascara to hide it. You could like I have a gray stripe stripe right here. Like yeah, let it work its way out. Rogue esque. Yeah, you could always like frost your tips, and uh, that would be a pretty cool look. Don't you fucking frost your tips, Jim? <laughs> Welcome to two thousand and three. <laughs> I got. I came out a lot angrier than I meant to. I'm sorry. I was gonna say. I know. I know the bit is to bully me, but Jesus, guy. Of course, Chip would have frosted blonde tips with his misogyny. I'm pretty sure in 2003, I really wanted blo- uh, frosted tips. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't look as bad as fucking Josh Hutchinson in this movie. So, so I bet oh, you could own it. His hair was so bad. I like felt for him. I mean, Josh Hutchinson. I already like feel bad for him in general they had horrible wig at the very end you're talking about the one on the child that you hate no no i'm talking about him (laughs) he's in the distance and he's he just has this really bad wig on oh yeah i fucking hated the ending uh i don't give a shit about picturesque like josh hutchinson playing with his kid fuck that well, I mean, it looks pitch picturesque, but you know they're still dealing with all of the trauma. Oh, yeah, yeah. he tries to kill her every single night while they're sleeping. Like, it's just, you know... Real that he... or not real. Yeah, real, real or not real, yeah. I mean, it's another one of those slice-of-life moments, I think, that shows life does go on, and, like, even though it's over, it still has all that traumatic impact on them. Like, maybe one day Mommy's gonna tell you about our nightmares. Jim, do you got another one, or you, are you, did you hit it? Um, I did have Plutarch's letter was so clearly like a scene that was supposed to be filmed oh, after yeah. his death, uh, which was very sad because I, I very much loved to, him. Yeah, to 
to clarify for anybody, if you aren't clear, it's because Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman passed away during the filming of this and they had to give away some of his lines. And yeah, I, it was, I don't know. I don't, I knew that that was the case and I, I don't know what the other lines were that other people did, but this was the one part that was just blatantly obvious that they had to reroute what to do because he died, which is having, um, Woody Harrelson read essentially his lines as a letter. Effie, Effie actually got a bigger role in this film because she filled in the, <clears throat> I totally forgot about this. She filled in some of the gaps for Plutarch. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I can see. Yeah. Like she, cause she didn't have this big of a role in all the films. Um, but I, I did think it would, I, I did write down. I thought it would be funny if, Hey, Mitch comes out. He's like, I got this letter from uh, Plutarch. Let me read it to you. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Why'd you do that? I'm going to kill you. That's what he says. That's all I had. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a real poet. You can tell because of how much I love poetry. <laughs> Jim loves poetry. Uh, folks, if you want to write Did you forget Jim about the poem... second verse that you wrote, Jim? That was roses are red, violets are blue. Ew, yuck, children. Gross women, too. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to read that part. <laughs> you emailed it to all of us, so I, I, figured, I figured you would want to make sure that that's there. <laughs> yeah it was a big i we send emails to all of our guests of what i'm gonna say on the podcast because it's all scripted Damn yeah i was like wow this is a little too far uh <laughs> yeah anytime it, talking about social justice jim come on listeners anytime you heard like a hard cut and it sounded like we did a hard edit it's because we were asking for our line <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, Sarah, what about yourself? I want to make sure. Do you have any uh, final notes? Anything that you want to make sure gets on the podcast? I mean, I have a couple of like general like things I wrote down that I didn't have any kind of like um uh I, I did I found it interesting when the gifts fell from uh, the sky for by Prim when the blast hits. Katniss is literally on fire for the final time, and this was the first time that wasn't intentional. Yeah, I looked at my partner. It's like, oh, she's catching fire. I, I went, <laughs> yeah. I, I turned to my, I turned to my girlfriend. and went, oh, she's the girl on fire. Yeah. Well, I thought this was this was the first time it wasn't contrived. Like it was, mm-hmm. um, like she was, like they made her into the girl on fire, but she literally became. A girl on fire because she had to make then had to make the hard choices. Prim was gone. Her mother was mm. never really fully there. Gail like out. Peter, uh, you know, had uh, still has a lot of, you know, his own residual trauma from being in there. But also like the real or not real, like he was, you know, um, manipulated with a tracker jacker venom. Yeah. So she's like has to completely rely on herself um, to make decisions. And this is really the first time she's really alone to make these as an adult like this is kind of like her i feel like it's not i mean she's not been she's been 16 but like well beyond 16 for years but this is like like because she took care of her whole family provided for her whole family but this is like this moment for her that's real Damn, this movie had a lot of fucking weight. I didn't expect this franchise. Like, I honestly, when we got this, I was like, all right, let's see what the fuck this is. But this franchise ended up being so much more than just what I thought it was going to be, like this kind of 
weird, quirky film about kids trying to kill each other. I don't know how it was going to be. I thought it was going to be quirky or whatever, but I only, I read the first book. It's been way too long. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let's see how this goes. I just didn't expect it to get so fucking dark and real. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot of literature written on this too. Like I'm actually, I'm staring at my bookshelf where I have at least four books of theory written about these, about these, um, Wow. about the books and like i mean that's just a fraction um it gets well, really dark deep and like they talk about real issues we're gonna have to get you back uh for the prequel book when we uh that movie finally comes out i think it's coming out i don't know if it's like either coming 2022. out in 2022 or it's getting made or starting in 2022 it could so it could be We'll see you for that franchise in about a year and a half to two years. But we'll have yeah. to go before that. <laughs> this is, that. That was a really interesting book. I mean, especially because it's told from the, the perspective of President Snow, mm. um, where they humanize him in a way that you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then you're oh. like, oh, no, don't do this. Like you have you, like you watch him make all the choices he makes and he lets fear dictate yeah. his choices. It, it, and I'm it, like, it yeah, that, like, that, that I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was like, yeah, he lets fear and like his past dictate it, which I mean, I think it says a lot about modern masculinity. Um, yeah, it, it when you let fear uh, motivate your need for status, um, like or I, I don't know, it seems to be like the fuel for that. Um, I, I guess I, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see like the birth of his need to to hold himself at such a high status to be seen in, in, in such a way. Um, because I, I really love to, I've always been fascinated by trying to understand my own personal enemies. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see the birth of that enemy, you know, the birth of quote unquote, you know, well, the, he is the bad guy. He's a bad guy. You're not the bad guy, but he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really fascinating to see his evolution because like at one point he is kind of a good guy. But then he's like, and I, I, uh, if you want to borrow any of the books, I have all of them. I have the three uh, in my house, uh, or the four, the three. No, because they weren't dicks when they wrote the book. And they would be like, ha ha, here's the first part, and then I'll give you another book. But yeah, gotta pay double the price for the one story. Ugh, dumb, 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 dumb. Oh, capitalism. It's the worst. Uh, that being said, folks, we have a Patreon. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, I was, just, I was, I was being was like in a book about anti-capitalism. I'm so sorry. Then I took that exact moment to then try to promote our Patreon. Um, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's independent. That's you're not a major corporation. I wouldn't feel bad about it. Is that, is that, that's, I, I, you don't, you don't have, have a quote, quote for the, for the uh, episode, episode Jim, but that, that would have been, been it. Get out of here, Ayn Rand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the other part that we're at, I would love to know if there are things you would like our listeners to know about, uh, if there's a thing you'd like to promote or put out into the universe. Um, this is your moment. Get vaccinated. Be Fuck a good yeah. human. Yeah. Yes. Support, so do something to support the Afghan refugees. Tight. Tight. Don't eat Domino's or do eat Domino's? Mm. Make your own decisions. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, being part of this journey. It is coming to an end. We are now officially done with the Hunger Games. Yay! Yeah, this is the first franchise that totally didn't line up with our <laughs> theme of the podcast at all, and it's over because they made they made the books. Of course, they were going to make every single movie. Um, they couldn't have stopped earlier, but mm-hmm. we saw it all. We saw the resolve, and we saw Josh Hutchinson's hair. Oh, such bad. Such bad. <laughs> thank uh, God. Thank God for Julianne Moore. Uh, Can that be my quote? It was. I was going to say that might end up being the quote now. Now you just threw in a whole fucking... Oh, we'll have to think on that. Um, now you're just blowing my brain up now. Oh, God. All right. We'll, we'll talk. Julianne Moore, though. She's so great. So, folks. Uh, oh, wait. Actually, real quick. Uh, once again, Sarah, I love you. It's so good to see your face, and it's so wonderful to have you on to talk about nonsense. Uh, that wasn't nonsense. Uh, to talk about realness. Um, thank you for coming and bringing... Um, like knowledge to this uh, because to be honest with you i did not take a class on the hunger games i will uh i can give you some of my fun resources tight send them on over I can do, um, we can do we can do a one-on-one class it'll be fun <laughs> starting every single uh fridays uh, brought to you by rotten treasure uh you oh, i don't know how we're gonna be able to incorporate i gotta learn how to pay i gotta find a way to pay you for this um <laughs> it's a four-week class for every week you're listening to the episode Yes, that. Even though you've already listened to them, because who the fuck would go to... I'm going to go to listen specifically on the episode of just part two. Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, my my Venmo is at Sarkar if you want to send me money for Domino's. <laughs> That's actually a solid promo to put on there. <laughs> Not the first person to put on their Venmo, by the way. At no. S-A-R-C-A-R. Oh, I really, somebody please put some fucking just pizza emojis and I don't care if it's like only a hundred dollars. Like, I've got a cat with a thyroid problem and me with a pizza problem. I'll take it. (laughs) All right, folks, Uh, we are going to be taking a break uh next week uh this route if you are listening on one of your preferred podcast apps but if you don't want to miss out on more content uh you can listen uh to a recap episode only available on our patreon so yes i got that patreon promo in there anyways uh it's at sarkar on venmo (laughs) (laughs) so give a hundred dollars there it's only a dollar uh to become a patreon a month to become a uh a Sorry, I can't. No, give all. You know what? No, don't even give a hundred and one dollars to Sarah. <laughs> no, then I'll join their Venmo. <laughs> and for every hundred and one dollars you give to Sarah, Sarah will make a fake account on Patreon for you <laughs> and have ultimate voting power. Uh, no, it does not only uh, gain you uh, access, especially for when they bring back the <laughs> "What guess do you want back?" It's just going to be me voting from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> make Sarah permanent co-host. Oh, <laughs> um, but I'll be getting Domino's every week. Uh, well, I mean, we're gonna get that sponsor eventually. Uh, so yes, yeah, so you will have. Uh, not only will you have the ability to listen to that episode, but you also have the ability uh, to vote in upcoming franchises. Uh, we are gonna keep it a secret, as always, Jim, uh, to the next franchise we're doing because we don't like to tell people. Got it. Um, Don't tell them Lord of the Rings is next. 
Right, because that would be ridiculous because then we would just be telling people what we're doing and we don't want to do that. It's a surprise. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I have only seen a very small little tidbit part of the third one and that's it. And we're going to just spend the next nine, potentially only six weeks of our lives, depending on which movies we do, watching the extended version of these fucking movies. So this upcoming week, Jim and I will be dedicating three hours and 48 minutes of our lives for this podcast because we love y'all. Um, so yeah, do I'm going to listen for you guys so you can hear. I can hear you say smog. 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 So yeah, come back, y'all. Uh, thank you again. This is great. I fucking love it, and I love you both. Thank you. I love you too, Kai. Oh, it's not visible, but Sarah just blew like a really sweet kiss to the audience. My brand is adorable. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Except for the children and the women. <laughs>